Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Uh, Crawford thing, man. Like, 
it's exciting to see. Looking forward to it. You know, it's kind of uh, you want them to fight, but you don't kind of thing. So uh, lots of things coming up. So excited to chop it up with you this morning. Yeah, it's not a thing. It's a mega fight. I, I don't see. He's he's telling it to y'all lightly, y'all. I'm 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 a big boxing guy. I'm in, I'm into the fight world, man. And um, these two are mega welterweights, and knowing how this goes for both of these guys, one uh, Crawford, if he can unify the division, he's on a historic run. If Spence unifies the welterweight, he said he's moving up. So this is not only them like trying to unify and, and make moves on top of this. This is a, basically how the boxing world looks at these two at the end of the day. But notably so, they're saying whoever wins this fight is the pound-for-pound pound best boxer in the world. So everything's on the line. Um, I, I don't even know who has more pressure because the, the shock value that Crawford could bring to the fight and, and having one of those punches get through and knocking. Spence out or Spence, um, you know, doing what he needs to do and breaking Crawford down and, and Crawford not seeing this type of a fighter, uh, even though he's been through so many different brawls. But um, this is this is very interesting. I never thought that we would get to this point. We are a week less than a week away from the uh, the madness on um, the 29th of July. Okay, so, Mike, anything else? Because I know I'll probably end up jumping back into this. I didn't want to start the show like that. I I just had to give a couple of uh, hors d'oeuvres, if you will, before we jump into this. But anything else before I do get away from this and start getting to other things? Uh, no, it's a pleasure, have, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm sure we'll hit it again, like you said, uh, before we're done. So I'm ready to get into the meat and potatoes today. Pleasure having me. Wait, slow down. Wait, get your coffee. All right, all right. I got to give my brother up. Mike, go get something to drink. Water or coffee? No, I don't want you to get coffee. Get some water. Get you right. Okay, around... I don't even know where to start. I do want to get the baseball. I kind of want to save that for last. You know what? I'm going to get the baseball first. I got it. I'm going to go through the scores, and then I'm going to go through the schedule as best as I can because um, I'm pretty at the edge of my seat. Now, all of a sudden, we sat in here for the past uh, four, five, six weeks talking about the Mets. Well, the Mets are actually taking care of business up against the Boston Red Sox. They went in their matchup yesterday in Fenway 5-4. to four. Then uh, and that was on Friday night. Then you have the Saturday opening up with the Yankees taking care of business of the Royals. I know the Yankees are so happy to play a team that they know that they should beat. If the Royals would have went into the Bronx, because they're playing in New York City, if the Royals would have went into the Bronx and interrupted the Yankees while the Yankees are going down spiraling, somebody would have lost their job. I, I don't know if it would have been Boone Cashman. One of the everyday players, a, a pitcher, a rotation, somebody. If the Royals would have won in there and, and stole two, somebody was out of there for real. But they, they, the Yankees took care of the last two games up against the Royals. They're looking at sweeping them. The next matchup I have are the Colorado Rockies. They beat the Marlins 4-3. to Sports City, this is what I was worried about. Do the Marlins start to come to earth at this point in time? They've actually been letting go some games as of recent. The Chicago Cubs win their matchup up against the Cardinals, eight to six. Can the Cardinals get movement? I don't know. The Dodgers really go to Arlington, Texas, and mash the Rangers, sixteen to three. This has been an interesting series, but the Rangers cannot handle the Dodgers team. For the Dodgers to go up there and put up double digits on the road says a lot about this team. I think they are prime and ready for the latter part of this summer to make that run to close out the NL West. 
the Diamondbacks lose on the road to the Cincinnati Reds 4-2. This Reds team is somewhat impressive. I, I just don't know where they found it in the middle of the season to get this thing going and turning this thing around up against a team and the Diamondbacks who have been sharp up until this point. Or I can't even say that they fell off, but it's, you know, the Reds have definitely staked their claim to try to get this NL Central under their wing and uh, pulling off this win up against the Diamondbacks, respectively. So, um the next match up I have are the Rays. They lose to the Orioles, who are leading. That is right, people. The Baltimore Orioles are leading the AL East. We'll get into the uh, the records and everything at this point in time. The Orioles go into Tampa, win this one six to five. There's a lot of melee going down in Tampa. Uh, we will get into that shortly. The Seattle Mariners win their matchup up against the Blue Jays at home. They safe go nine to eight. A uh, uh, run for the six. For the city, if you will, uh, who outlasts who, and Seattle did pull that off up against the Blue Jays. Um, this AL East is definitely getting interesting as these teams are like playing lotto. Some's going up, some's going down. The Blue Jays let this one go to the Mariners. I feel like they were playing stronger baseball up until they ran into the state of Washington, and now the Mariners get this one. The Padres mashed the Tigers 14-3 in Detroit. Padres, are you going to get going? Because you got to start going right now. This is the latter part of July going into August. I think they have to go on at least a uh, seven out of nine run. They they got to start to close up this game back uh, gap that they have at this point in time. But they win by double digits, putting up double digits uh, in Comerica. The Nationals, oh, my goodness, the Nationals put up 10 up against the Giants, 10 to 1. This, is, this took place in D.C., Big win for the Nationals, but I don't see any consistency out of this team for the remainder of the regular season unless they shock value me somewhere out of some way. The Giants, this is an impressive loss for them at this point in time where they've been keeping pace like crazy within the NL West. But um, I think they definitely bounce back as best as they can to uh, stay at least in the rear view of the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. But this should be pretty interesting as we approach the month of August. Okay. The Red Sox did end up getting their win back up against the Mets yesterday, 8-6 to six up against the Mets, uh, redeeming themselves after losing Friday night. The Guardians win a one nothing game up against the Phillies. This is what I'm talking about, Philadelphia. You guys have to put runs on the board, and they actually switched Bryce Harper to first base, trying to save this guy somehow, some way. This is a guy that I love to see and watch and hear about playing baseball. They just can't get out of his own way, especially the season that they had last year. The Phillies made that run, and fell short, and now it's like, where do the Phillies go after all of the success from last season? Going up against the Guardians, go into Cleveland, they can't put up a run. They lose this game one nothing. The Brewers win a interesting game up against the hot Atlanta Braves, 4-3 in Milwaukee. The Twins in a nail-biter game up against the White Sox, win this game 3-2. I watched this from start to finish. If you guys were watching this game, you would have thought the Twins would have lost. Every sportcaster is in there like, the Twins lose so many one-run games. They can't score late. They can't do this and that. And the one thing about the Twins is when I'm watching them or I feel more comfortable, and I hate to say this about my team, but I got to, I feel confident and comfortable when Jeffers catching. Jeffers calls a good game. When Vasquez is back there, like batters get to the pitcher somehow, some way, and I feel like Jeffers is the better batter. Vasquez comes up to the plate and hits a bomb that it's the top of the fence that looks like a home run with two men on. Uh, Buxton scored because of his speed from second, but um, there was a, a player on first. He gets the third. Vasquez got the second, and it's 2-2. Two, two. 
then Michael Taylor knocked the run and to basically get the lead three two, and that's how the game ended. And these runs all came late in the game, and um, I I've been thinking about a jersey to get. I didn't know whether to get a Michael Taylor jersey because I'm a ta- my, I'm, I'm a Taylor <laughs> like uh, my grandmother was a Taylor, so I'm a Taylor. Um, I think I might get Johan Duran. Uh, this guy is probably one of the more electric closers, uh, throwing the heat. Uh, he's dialed up the highest mile per hour pitch uh, in recent games. He threw a 104.8 pitch within this week, and everybody's been going crazy. People calling me, have you seen? I was like, I was watching the game live. Like, so I, I seen it happen, and it, it was contact made at that. So, um, but just knowing that he, I finally got a closer that I feel good about when he goes in there. He did give up a game, though. I think it was against the Athletics, if I'm not mistaken. I think Oakland got to him. But um, nobody's perfect. I mean, things happen, but um, I'm starting to feel good about the Twins as we do approach the – Latter part of the season, I'm, I'm biased, people. I could talk about these dudes forever. Um, and the interesting thing about the Twins, they're saying that they have the second, how do I say it, the second least challenging schedule uh, in the MLB, not even just the American League. So they could, they have the opportunity to take advantage of all that they've been through through the first half of the season. The Oakland Athletics, people, you know I talk about these guys a lot, and I will be talking about them shortly, too. They win their matchup up against the Houston Astros, who just won the doggone World Series last year, 4-1 to one in Oakland. Are they trying to redeem themselves? Are they trying to get out of the cellar? I don't think they can, but these wins that they do pull, uh, pick up against these big caliber teams, I still applaud y'all, regardless, man, just just for the, the fandom and the people that I know that did or do still cheer for the A's. Just keep doing it for the city for the last little bit that they do get to cheer for you guys while you're there. And last but not least, to round out the scores from yesterday, the Pittsburgh Pirates go into Anaheim and shut them out, 3 nothing up against the Angels. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the scores from yesterday? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, cool debut for a kid, uh, Sal Fralick from uh, Milwaukee, another young rookie uh, breaking into the major leagues. It's been so much young talent over the last couple of years. It's crazy. He had two plays. As a rookie late in the game, he got a couple hits, but then he had a couple plays. He robbed Marcelo Suna of a home run and Eddie Rosario of an extra base hit, like, in the very next at-bat. So he made back-to-back plays that probably saved the game for Milwaukee. Uh, They got a split. You mentioned the Diamondbacks a second ago. This has been an interesting week for them because they they take the first two in Atlanta. They drop the last game of the series, and then they – Drop these two in uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, since he still put it together and playing some pretty good ball, they just really took it on the chin from Milwaukee going into and then coming right out of the All Star break. They lost they lost two out of three to Milwaukee. I want to say going into the break and then got a uh, Milwaukee swept them coming out. One of the two, but they lost five. They lost five out of six to Milwaukee, who was their main competition in that division. So that's going to be fun. That I believe that Mets Red Sox, even though the first one was scheduled for Friday, I believe they played two yesterday, but one of them still got some rain. So, uh, but a split there, uh, just kind of looking around, hitting the other guys uh, with Pittsburgh. That kid Andy Rodriguez, a, a rookie catcher, hit a home run uh, to win that game up against. Uh, the Angels, 
And then, yeah, man, they, listen, Freddie Freeman was unconscious yesterday for the Dodgers. Look out for this team. They're, they're, they're definitely starting to hit, like you said. And it looks like they're starting to put together a run. So we'll see what they do in the next week plus. Um, and then just glancing around, and impressed with the Twins. They're doing what they're supposed to do against uh, the White Sox this weekend. Uh, they played some very good ball. And I know that we'll uh, – get into these divisions in a minute. Looking around, let me see if there's anything else I want to push or hit right now. Uh, Philly. Yeah, I mean, it, they uh four-game losing streak now. Uh, after this, Vols won nothing last night. This is a uh, Tanner Bybee or BB, however you say his name. The rookie uh, pitched really, really well for Cleveland last night. Um, in that game, so like you said, lots of uh, like lots of good action around the major leagues, and uh, yeah, let's break these standings down. Okay, interesting enough, I like that you started with your Braves. They have just let go of two, as he mentioned previously, and now they are in an interesting situation with the Brewers. I don't think that they get caught up in the division, but are they starting to come to earth at this point in time? I'll let you start to feast off your board. No, so Mike, I get it. Had, yeah, my bad. I was talking on mute. So they had an unbelievable month of, month of June, as we talked about before. I, I just think you have some sort of ebbs and flows with the season. Uh, everybody loses a couple series and maybe they shouldn't lose. And like, once again, that was a very competitive uh, Diamondback series. The Braves had a four game losing streak. They come out of the break. They win one against the White Sox and lose the next two and then lose the first two of the uh, Arizona series. They bounce back, get a win there and then get a win to start the Milwaukee series. So, I mean, are they coming back down to earth a little bit? Sure. No team is going to stay quite as hot as they did in the month of uh, June, but I think I still think this team is in very good shape, and they're looking at getting some more pitching back healthy uh, here in the next week or two. Max Fried, for example, uh, could jo- rejoin their rotation as early as this week. So, I mean, I think they'll be fine. It's, it's just the, you know, that 162 is definitely a uh, – a marathon, not a sprint. You're going to kind of have some ups and downs, but with the way they played last month, they got themselves a little bit of a, a little bit of a cushion. And listen, these guys are still mashing. Austin Riley, Jesus, he's had like six home runs in his last five games. Uh, you're talking like 13, 14 RBIs or something just this week. He's really just absolutely caught fire. Uh, and Acuna's still right at about 330. So, uh, I'm interested today to watch Bryce Elder pitch against Milwaukee because, you know, he was tops in the National League in ERA just a couple of weeks ago, and he's had a couple of really bad starts uh, here the last couple of weeks. Uh, still showing signs of location, whatever else, but a few too many cement mixers that are supposed to be sliders. Uh, they're just kind of spinning up there in the middle of the plate, and so he's uh, gotten knocked around a little bit the last couple of times out. So seeing how he bounces back today will be uh, huge. I think this is still, like you said, clearly the best team in this division. Uh, definitely still pressing to be the best team in the National League, I mean, with those aspirations. and uh, th- Yeah, man, I, they're going to – you're going to drop a few, but uh, this team's still in good shape. 
Just want you to talk a little Atlanta. That's all. Just talk a little Atlanta. We're going to get to it in a little bit, though. But stay tuned, Sports City. So, first and foremost, the first division I want to talk about is the AL West. I'll start out West. The Texas Rangers are 58-41, and 41, leading the division. Just like we mentioned, the Dodgers went in there, took care of business, and, and put up 16 on them in Arlington. The Astros are 55-44. and 44. They're three games back. They just let go of a game, like I said, to the Oakland Athletics in Oakland. The Seattle Mariners are 50 and 48, seven and a half back. They just win their matchup up against the Blue Jays, as mentioned. The Angels are hovering around 500, 50 and 49, eight games back. Otani's still the best player in baseball at this point in time. I got into an argument today. Somebody said that Otani was the best baseball player in MLB history since Babe Ruth. I said, wow, slow down. Slow down. I was like, Barry Bonds, maybe? Pete Rose, maybe? Like, what What are we doing here? Like, the, people really get caught up in the moment. It really bothers me when people just do that. And, I, and I'm I'm the sport nut that'll go and get into an argument with that person just because they want to see shock value or, or the pop gun of the discussion. It's like, cut it out. Like, enough. Okay, But I, I love Otani. Don't don't let me sound like I'm a hater, because I do love the way that this guy played baseball. But give give me a consistent six, seven years. This dude has his issues too, but he's phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not gonna take anything away from him. The Oakland A's are 28-73, 31 games back, and they did pull off a big win within the division up against the Astros, as mentioned. Mike, your thoughts from top to bottom in the AOS at this point in time? So looking at this Western Division, look, man, like. <laughs> The Rangers have got to have some pitching. Dane Dunning got uh, basically raked across the coals yesterday. He wasn't very good uh, the, the day before. Now, this Dodgers offense, tech, I mean, to be quite honest, though, they've really been on a roll uh, the last couple of weeks hitting their stride. Uh, but, you know, Houston is, what, two, three games out now? Uh, and Corey Seager is – going on the IL again for the Rangers. Corey Seager has already missed a chunk of time uh, this season. And it's considering how much time he's been out, like he's really had an incredible year offensively, kind of anchoring that Texas lineup from the number two hole uh, and also playing shortstop for them. So uh, he has been in a lot of ways one of their – very best players and so now you're going to be missing him for a chunk of time again due to a sprained thumb or something from sliding into a base uh, still got to figure out pitching there but Houston only three out and listen they got they have only had Altuve and Alvarez together for like 10 games this year and uh, Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez are both on their way back uh, for this team, it's supposed to be joining them pretty soon. So you're going to have a little bit more of your firepower back. Um, listen, as good as the Rangers have been this year, Houston's still right there. Uh, you, they have won this division several times over the last few years, and they're you know, still going to be heard from. Um, and they're right there in this race. And I, I still would not count out uh, Houston at all. In this West, uh, the Angels able to kind of bounce back and pull off a few wins to just kind of stay relevant. Uh, after we go through all these, I kind of hit 
overall, but I'm, it's, it's looking like TP uh, right now, 52, 53 wins would get you that last wild card position. So uh, Seattle and the Angels are only two or three wins off that pace. Um, so I feel like if the Angels can find a way to win this series against Pittsburgh, who's only won three or four games this month, I think they're three and 14 uh, in the month of July. Uh, if they can win this series and kind of keep their head above water over this next week, then that trade that we talked about possibly happen happening is probably less likely to happen because they're going to still figure they still got a chance to get uh, in that playoff race. Uh, Seattle with a 9-8 win over uh, Toronto yesterday. Seattle's uh, kind of they, – they played some good ball going into the break, struggled a little bit coming out, but – this team is still right there and has a chance to uh, to still be in this wild card conversation as well. Of course, uh, we got the best division in baseball to talk about in a minute and sort of how it ranks out. But I think there are still four teams uh, in this division that have a chance to take a seat at the playoff table uh, come October. We, probably, we won't have four from this division make it, but I'm just saying right now, I think four teams are still in that discussion. And as we're going to see going into the next division, I believe that now the Oakland A's are not by themselves in the basement overall in in the standings. Okay. That's at least the AOS at this point in time. They are still the worst by half a game, basically. Um, I might as well go to it since he's leading into it. The AL Central is being led by the Minnesota Twins, who are 52-48, and 48, starting to get it together. Thank the Lord they're playing a little bit better. Come on, come on. Uh, being followed by the Cleveland Guardians at this point in time, who are sitting at 500 at this point in time. They're starting to get better within the division. 49-49, two games back. The Tigers are 44-54, and 54, seven games back. The White Sox are 41-59, and 59, sitting at 11 games back. And the Kansas City Royals are 28 and 72, 24 games back. They have 72 losses. The A's have 73. They both have 28, so it's a half a game. They're basically respectively the same, though, but a half a game if we're looking at it like that, that the the A's are still the worst team in baseball. But your thoughts, Mike, top to bottom in the AL Central, how this race is going down? The Twins have got to win this division, man. Like, I just – you know, as many players as we talked about that are contributing across other major league rosters, there's still a lot of talent on this team. Uh, you know, you hope that Byron Buxton can, can heat up with the bat when there are times when he's really going well. Like, he can kind of carry a team. You know, looking around that rotation, Bailey Ober pitching today. Uh, Sonny Gray's numbers, even though he's had very few wins over the last few months, his numbers are still pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Duran, that man locking it down, uh, coming out of the bullpen. This is a a, a team that has a, a lot of talent. And like you said, it looks like they're really starting to get it together. A couple get, uh, wins this weekend have really been uh, looking like they're getting things together and, and starting to sort of uh, settle in over 500. Uh, we talked about before Cleveland being second. I still think injuries to this pitching staff is going to tell off on them. Uh, but these 
young rookies like Tanner Bobby getting some experience and, and and pitching well last night. Another kid, Logan Allen, has been pitching uh, pitched really well for them his last time out. So, I mean, we will see. Maybe at the end of the day this helps them develop some depth. But, you know, Minnesota sitting there at 52 wins, uh, and the second-place team in this division – and Cleveland is basically behind, you know, like I said, those other four teams that we just talked about uh, in the Western Division. So, uh, technically, uh, there is a possibility that the team that does not win the division between Minnesota and Cleveland could still possibly be in the wild card race, but uh, they're going to have to do a lot of work to – to be there, but I mean, technically, technically, when you're talking about 49 wins versus versus 50, I mean, uh, they're they're still they're still kind of right there right now. But uh, at the end of the day, I still think we'll probably end up with just one team from this division, like the Minnesota uh, sniffing the playoffs. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't want to be chasing a wild card and facing a bigger team on the road. I definitely want to take advantage of at least having home field and being a biased fan. Um, the Buxton situation has gotten serious. Um, I've been reading column after column. They're actually trying to talk about this is his time to prove himself. If not, they got to start to talk about what they're going to do without him. Michael Taylor has come to this team from the Royals and has actually made a presence here. Um, at this time, Buxton, I think, has 17 home runs, if I'm not mistaken. Taylor has 11 and Taylor's an everyday player in the field. They both are gold glovers at the end of the day, but they're trying to save Buxton from not even being out in the field, can't get himself together. The other day he just hit two home runs, and that was like the lift, and he still came to the plate this past day uh, against the White Sox and had a bad day at the plate. So him having to put this together while everybody else is starting to step up, even Kepler's finally starting to play good ball. Kepler's hitting the ball, people. like It's like, yay, I, the guy that I don't want to let go. I do not want to lose that left-hander by no means. This guy's a threat within the division and has been suffering the past two seasons, I really want to say. Kepler's not really been himself, but he's been hitting the ball as of late, hitting home runs. The pop that he's had is back. So um, a lot of eyes are still on, like Correa. Correa, the money that they gave him, he needs to be as consistent every day. Buxton, the $100 million contract that you got, are you that $100 million guy? I don't want to see you go and then end up being a monster somewhere else. This is a place where you should be able to do your work. The other questions that I do have, you said Sonny Gray hasn't had that many wins uh, throughout the season. Sonny Gray's last winning decision was in May. We are nearing August. He has not had a winning decision in a while. And um, seeing how he has been pitching, um, a lot of these pitchers are up. They they know what he's about to do. He's been in the league for a good amount of time, and his – if he doesn't get them early and he's up there, you know, got a good high pitch count, he ends up getting hit. And, and that's the, the name of the game. And he's one of the pitchers that have been suffering out of the uh, the starting rotation that he has to get it. Like Joe Ryan has had his ups and downs, but he's still above 500 and still putting up winning decisions. Lopez is sitting at 500 and trying to turn this thing around. He is the one guy that's in the midst of this pitching rotation and is not really shut down teams across the board. I feel like teams feel like they got a shot when they see Sonny Gray on the bump. So it's between Buxton, Correa, and Gray, the big names within the, the midst of this roster that have to pick it up for this Twins team to excel and do strong work. 
uh, as we approach the latter part of the season. Just like I said, they have a good situation the way that they had to deal with all of the hard teams earlier in the season, and they still are above 500. And they go into the this the remaining part of the season uh, with opportunities to win more. I think they have more home games at home too, so that's another thing that could work in their favor. But they have to win games. You can't just say it and it's on paper and then end up letting go of games and losing games one up and then two one. That that just doesn't cut it. Like you guys that are the names on that board have to produce runs. You have to win games. Kyle Farmer, I love him. He's an awesome third baseman. They moved him around. He's still able to produce wherever he is on the field. Walner, the guy that they called up, definitely a good player. I want to see more consistency out of Joey Gallo, but for some odd reason they keep putting him on the bench and not letting him get his feet underneath him. Rocco, you got a lot to do right now with this team in front of you. I'm begging as a personal fan. I, I really don't even like talking to my team, but like I said, I could go for hours on a team I love. Okay, so going into the AL East, as I told you, some things have changed, and, and uh, we were talking about it last week, but now it's rightfully so. The Baltimore Orioles are 60-38 and 38 at this point, leading the division, even though the Tampa Bay Rays have more wins. They do have more losses as well. They're 61-41, and 41, one game back. The Toronto Blue Jays are 54-45. and 45. They are six and a half back. The Boston Red Sox are 52-47. and 47. They are eight and a half back. The Yankees are 52-47 and 47 too. They are eight and a half back. They both are log jam tied with the same record at the bottom of the division. I know the Yankees better win this to get above the Red Sox. The Red Sox have their work cut out for them. The Yankees have the Royals today, um, depending on how this day does fall out for uh, the Yankees at that. But I think they do end up sweeping the Royals. The Royals are a pain in their own selves. Uh, but this interesting division is the best division in baseball. Everybody's above 500. And this race has definitely gotten very interesting, especially with the Baltimore people. I'll admit myself, I know a lot of people across the board won't. I did not think the Orioles would be leading this division. They are leading the division, playing stronger, and getting, you know, output from everybody, no matter what. Even when they pulled in Aaron Hicks from the Yankees, everybody thought that that was going to be the graveyard for him to fall apart. Well, nope, since that trade, they gotten better. <laughs> they are atop the division, and the Yankees are at the bottom of the division. Is this the curse of the Hicks? No, no, let me let me not do that. I want to do the Bambino stuff. Let me knock on wood because I know that stuff would come back. But, Mike, your thoughts on the AL East top to bottom, Baltimore to the Yankees. So, I thought Baltimore would be good this year uh, after they surprised last year. I didn't think they'd be this good. I actually said going into the season that I thought that the Orioles would take a little bit of a step back this year before taking a bigger step forward this year. But just like we saw a year ago, I think they're about a year ahead of schedule, right? So, um, got to be impressed with what Baltimore has done. Now, they took it on the chin from the Dodgers this week with the Dodgers playing such good ball right now. Uh, they're just on one of their their hot streaks this season uh, right now. So, But Baltimore taking over first place, I think at the end of the day, just so many injuries with this Tampa pitching staff. You know, we've talked about before Archer and Rasmussen both being out. Not Archer. Uh, Rasmussen and Springs, my bad, both being out. And now Shane McClanahan is out too. Uh, so he's leading the league and uh, winning percentage as, as a pitcher from the American League. So 
Lots of injuries on the staff. The offense has really kind of cooled down uh, over this last month. And Baltimore has gotten hot. And like you said, I mean, you have uh, Adley Rutschman, who came up last year, was really good. They've now brought up Jordan Westberg, and they brought up Colton Hauser. Um, and you're getting some production from uh, some pitching, like uh, Creamer and also Tyler Wells and Kyle Gibson. And they're just finding a way to get it done. They brought Grayson Rodriguez back, uh, the young pitching prospect, to get some uh, – innings in as well so you know looking around at at, at Baltimore Gunnar Henderson has really kind of started to find his stride uh, as well at third base for this team so uh, this Baltimore team's a lot of fun to watch and and they're right there right like leading this division uh, you know you look Tampa got off to such a hot start and and now they're finally coming back down to earth uh, Toronto 54 wins, two games ahead right now, basically of the Bronx Bombers and the Red Sox are a game and a half ahead of those guys. Uh, That offense is still going to mash. Uh, They're starting to get some pitchers back. Alec Manoa has pitched a couple times. He's pitching today. Uh, Hinjin Ryu uh, should be back in that rotation sometime here in the next uh, week. He might even join this week. Uh, Chris Bassett pitching well for them, especially at home. Jose Barrios has uh, been pitching pretty well also and never would have thought that uh, Yusei Kikuchi, the left-hander who had been with Seattle previously, uh, would be pitching so well. But this team is finding a way to get it done. And then I talked about it. I said 52 wins. I mean, right now, if the season ended today, uh, Houston and – Tampa would be your first two wild cards, and your third wild card would be the Toronto Blue Jays, who have those 54 wins. Uh, but looking in the rear view, like like we just talked about, you got 52 wins right now from the Yankees and 52 wins from the Red Sox, and then both Anaheim and Seattle sitting there at 50 and Cleveland at 49. So you you got all these teams within basically five games uh, for this final wild card slot, they're all just kind of bunched in here together. Uh, lots of teams feel like they still kind of have uh, kind of have a shot at this, but it, it, it's interesting to see that the the Red Sox have found a way to pull even uh, with the Twins and, and the the Japanese outfielder for the Red Sox. I don't want to call his name wrong, but Yoshida maybe uh, is leading the league now and hitting. He's doing a really nice job. This, this is his first year. Uh, he's doing a really nice job for them this season uh, as well. So, And then looking around this division, man, we it, it's funny because we talk about Texas' offense and we talk about all this good young talent. Uh, and, and people forget how young this Toronto team still is pretty much. I mean, uh, Bo Bichette is leading the American League in hits by a pretty wide margin, actually. I think he's got, got like an 18-hit lead against uh, – over anybody else in, in the American League. So uh, this that Toronto team offensively is, is is tough. If they can pitch enough, they're going to be right there. This is the team that I expect to take a jump. And to me, the interesting thing, TP, is over these next eight or nine days, uh, and same theme with what we're going to see in the National League, but what, what these teams do between now and this trade deadline, and especially looking at a team like Texas and looking at a team like Baltimore, 
uh, teams that feel like they may have everything else that they need, uh, who can find a way to go get some pitching uh, to add to that rotation or maybe add another arm to that bullpen? Because at the end of the day, you, you got to have pitching in the playoffs. And so uh, I, I think as these rosters take shape over the, the next nine days and we see what moves some of these teams make, that's going to uh, play a big role in how this thing turns out. Okay, moving right into Mike's Kitchen, if you will. We're going to go to the National League. I'm going to go from lows to the highs. First, I'm going to start with the NL Central. The NL Central is being led by the Milwaukee Brewers, who are giving the Braves a fit at this point in time, 55-44, and 44, leading the division. The Cincinnati Reds are right behind them, a game and a half back at 54-46. and 46. Uh, They are sliding their last 10, 4-6 and six out of their last 10, but still yet they are a team you have to concern, uh, be concerned about. Excuse me. The Chicago Cubs are 47-51, four games under 500, seven and a half back. Please hurry up August 1st. Get here and don't let the Cubs do the most dumbest thing ever. I'm being personal about this one. I know analytically it probably would be a better thing for either team. However, I'm hearing the Cubs are ready to let go of Cody Bellinger. If they get rid of Cody Bellinger, this would be – y'all might as well just contract the team because y'all not trying no more. And the team that the, I'm hearing that is – Interested in Cody would be the Yankees. Why would you help the Yankees get stronger? Why, why, why do you not want to keep Cody? Like, give Cody to us. <laughs> like, here's some good twins. I say because I love Cody Bellinger. You guys got him, and you guys are ready to fork him up. While you guys are still sitting in the middle of the pack in the NL Central, I, I just don't get it. Hurry up, August first, get here, and do not let that boy get out of Chicago by no means. But I have no control over that. Look at here. The St. Louis Cardinals are now out of the cellar. They are 44-55. and 55. They are 11 games back. Aha, they are starting to catch themselves. Can they get back into this race and at least start to clean up all of the mess that they started the season off of? We will see the Pittsburgh Pirates people. I want to say about three weeks ago, they were leading this division. They were in first place. They are now at the bottom of this division, 43-55, and 55, sitting 11 and a half games back. That's impressive. That's impressive for to see this team fall that far and having that feeling of them possibly turning this thing around for the better of their future. I don't know if the remainder of the season and saying, oh, the Pirates are the team to win in the Central, so on and so forth, but it looked like, okay, things are starting to turn around in Pittsburgh. Nope. They're back at the bottom of the division. I don't know if they could turn this thing around. They are 3-7 and seven out of their last 10, but they did win their last game, as mentioned before. Um Mike, your thoughts on this division? The Cardinals are trying to turn this thing around bits and pieces by bits and pieces um, and El Central. Might be a little too little too late for this team, but we will see. Uh, listen, uh, you talk about the Reds losing six out of their last ten. Five of those were to Milwaukee, right? So uh, Milwaukee can still pitch. Uh, listen, uh, looking at, at the Brewers, Freddie Peralta seems to be throwing the ball pretty well. Corbin Burns, after a couple really bad starts early in the season, is quietly climbing his way back into this Cy Young race with the numbers that he is continuing to put up on the mound for them. And they're getting some depth from guys like Adrian Hauser and other guys in that rotation. Uh, they should, they could possibly still get Brandon Woodruff back, who has been a top five, top ten starter in the National League. Uh, so they can pitch. Uh, you know, their youth movement kind of took a little bit of a 
uh, kind of hit a little bit of a bump in the road or a flat tire, if you will, when Garrett Mitchell, their young center fielder, went out early in the season. But you still got a lot of youth in this organization. They got William Contreras from the Braves behind the plate. Uh, you got Bryce Terang, and now, like I said, Sal Freilich makes his debut last night, gets a couple hits, uh, robs a home run, and robs an extra base hit on consecutive play. So uh, another kid breaking in with uh, Milwaukee. Combine them with guys like Christian Yellick, who rediscovered himself after, I don't know, about a four-year hiatus, has really kind of started to get his game back on point. Uh, this is a uh, Milwaukee team that if they can hit enough, uh, they're going to be there. Uh, Cincinnati right there, like you said, uh, game and a half out. Just, you know, what else can you say about this team? Uh, another guy they got from the Twins and in Christian Encarnacion Strand comes up and his first major league hit this week is a go-ahead home run late in the game. So now you combine Christian Encarnacion Strand with guys like Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain, who's hit home runs in his last couple of games, and young outfielder Will Benson, who hit a big home run the other day. Uh, and then you sprinkle in uh, the couple of veteran guys, Jonathan India has only been up three or four years, is now a veteran on this team. Uh, Joey Votto's producing since he's gotten back. Jake Fraley, the former LSU Tiger, uh, playing in the outfield as well for this team. Uh, this team is starting to get some pitching back. Uh, they got Graham Ashcraft back just in the last week, uh, hoping that Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo can both make it back to that rotation by August. And so if they can get those guys back and then, you know, what do they do as far as uh, this is another team that really could use another arm. So what do they do as far as trying to acquire pitching? I I think Cincinnati and Baltimore are both kind of in that same vein where you want to get pitching, but you also want to make sure you don't mortgage your future. So it'll be interesting to watch and see what these teams do. Uh, Now going down the rest of that division, looking at, the Cubs with 47 wins. I think that was the whole play all along was for Cody to be able to sort of rehabilitate himself, uh, play pretty well this year. And, you know, I thought going into the season that if Cody played well, that he was a guy that they might look to trade. Uh, as far as I, I hope they don't, but this team's what, 47 wins, you said? I I don't know that they have enough. Uh, to be a wild card team. You also have kind of a log jam in the middle of that infield with Swanson and Nico Horner and Christopher Morel, uh, who might might slide into center field if you were to trade Tony Bellinger. But this team is still kind of trying to figure it out. I think they're probably a year away. Uh, the other name with the Cubs to really watch going into this trade deadline is Marcus Stroman, who has pitched really well this season. Uh, would like to stay in Chicago, but his contract's up towards the end of this year. So uh, keep an eye on if anything happens with Marcus Stroman uh, at the trade deadline. As you talked about, St. Louis is right there uh, trying to sort of uh, piece by piece sort of get back into this. This is the one division that with 44 wins, you're not necessarily completely out of it. Uh, but this team definitely has to hit a hot streak, and they uh, they got the pieces offensively. Kind of a log jam, though. I don't know. Uh, I, I think they're still kind of trying to decide 
who to sort of hitch their wagons to, if you will, like as far as the outfield positions in the DH spot. And then with Brandon uh, Donnelly now, uh, Donovan not being able to throw the ball and just kind of having the DH that sort of limits them a little bit. Then you look at Pittsburgh, you say three and seven in their last 10. I think they're three and 14 in their last 17. Uh, this team is just struggling now, but lots of uh, some good young talent in Pittsburgh, man. And uh, like the two Capita Marcano and uh, the kid Jack Sawinski. And then uh, hopefully you get O'Neill Cruz back next month, a six, seven shortstop for them. Uh, this team has kind of really hit the skids, but they have been able to compete pretty well. Uh, this year, Andy Rodriguez, the rookie catcher with the home run against the Angels last night. So uh, this team's got a lot of youth in the pipeline. Uh, they got the kids from LSU, the Paul Schemes, that they uh, he could get a look in the majors as early as next season. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, still a lot of work to do, and the thing is, is the the teams above them uh, still have a lot of talent. But I will say that I feel like that. I feel like the the future is brighter in Pittsburgh than it's been in a while, uh, but they are definitely. Uh, it's taken what three months, of almost four months of this baseball season for it to happen. Uh, but they have returned back to the place that everybody kind of expected them to be in in this division. Moving right along to the end. L West, and I feel like in the National League, this is probably more of an interesting race, and it is to me. The Dodgers are 57 and 40, leading the division. The Diamondbacks are 54 and 45, four games back, tied with the Giants, 54 and 45, four games back. The Padres are 48 and 51, three games under 500. They are starting to get back to at least, you know, at least the shore. At least get to shore. Um, can you guys figure this out? Six and four out of their last ten? We will see. They got too many too much talent there for them to be this bad. Um Colorado Rockies are thirty nine and fifty nine, eighteen and a half back, bringing up the caboose of the division. This is very interesting, at least the top four, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Giants, and the Padres make this interesting, but the Padres have to go on a heck of a run at least in the next three weeks to make this look even better. But Mike, your thoughts on the NOS from top to bottom. Yeah, give me this. I don't know if you're still on mute, Mike. Uh, something might no, have happened, no. or you haven't taken me. Yeah, can, can you hear me? Uh, give me the Giants record right there. I'm, I didn't. I didn't hear. Uh, the Giants have the, the same Giants record. record. They're, they're tied. They're tied with the Diamondbacks, fifty-four and forty-five. Okay, cool. Yeah, that. I mean, fifty-four. I think is is kind of the magic number right now, and in both leagues, we'll see as we hit this out right now for that last wild card. Uh, position, but the Giants have hung around and stayed there much longer than I thought uh, they were going to. Uh, Diamondbacks are, this is a good baseball team. They run a lot. Um, The top two or three in in all the major leagues and steals, uh, they run all over the place. Uh, The Diamondbacks have a lot of pop. Uh, Corbin Carroll is the truth. There's a young outfielder there. Uh, They're supposed to be getting Merrill Kelly back next week. And then some other guys in that rotation have really started to sort of show up a little bit. Uh, one of the kids pitched pretty well against the Braves. And so that, this is a team that, uh, you know, young, still kind of continuing to grow up. I think they probably, uh, they're probably about a year ahead of schedule. 
but this is a team that right now uh, definitely still has a chance to be relevant in this playoff race. The interesting thing to me as we move forward, and you kind of uh, hinted on it with the Marlins earlier, but these young teams that haven't been there before, you know, can they hold on? Uh, and, you know, as we start getting into these grind days of August, uh, can they hold on and stay in these races, right? Because uh, some of these some of the other squads are sort of used to that. So, uh, you know, it's it, the, the season is a grind, and there's, there's a lot to learn there. So, and like you said, San Diego now up to 48 wins. Uh, so still kind of uh, trying to remain relevant. Like you said, six and four in their last 10. It, it's going to be really interesting to me to see what they do over this next week because if they do decide to trade anything, uh, a couple of more intriguing arms that could possibly be moved reside in San Diego. Blake Snell has been really good. Uh, his last few starts, now he did walk seven last time he was out, but uh, he's got over 90 strikeouts in like his last 60 innings or something. Uh, so Blake Snell is a guy whose contract does expire after this year. Same with Josh Hader, the closer that they got from Milwaukee last year. So curious to see what happens with those guys. I think San Diego obviously is hoping that they can kind of get hot this week and sort of start to sort of get back into that discussion a little bit. Like you said, almost to shore. They can see the they can see the light from the lighthouse. The waves are starting to die down as they get a little bit closer in. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens in San Diego. Like you said, a lot, a lot of talent uh, on that team. Colorado's just Colorado, man. Like thirty-nine wins, last place in the um, in the division. Uh, but but still, like that's a tough matchup sometimes in Coors Field, but. Uh, like three teams for sure right here in this division uh, have legitimate postseason aspirations. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, San Diego, with those 48 wins, six games away from uh, Arizona or San Francisco. But, you know, if you get hot, you can make up six games in a couple months. So, uh, it's, it's still going to be interesting to see what happens. At least the Padres have done enough over the last couple of weeks to at least remain a little bit relevant. The Padres have the offense to do it. Uh, they just have to get the pitching to be as, as stable as possible to get them back into this, but they do have the bats that could definitely put runs up on the board to at least survive the next two or three weeks to at least get a jump on like let's just say their next ten games, like at least, and I'm pushing the envelope for them. But if they could go seven and three or eight and two, that'll be feasible. Ten and zero, that's crazy. But you know they're gonna let go of some of the games. But just to see them get back into this race and make it interesting, because they they've been there before. They know what it takes to get there. So this NOS can get more interesting if the Padres start to put it together. But right now it's a three-headed race. The Dodgers are ahead. The Giants and the Diamondbacks are fighting for their lives, at least being second place or better at this point in time. Last but not least, to round out the entire league is the NL East. The Atlanta Braves are 63 and 34, best record in baseball, being followed by PHI Apparel's Philadelphia Phillies, 52 and 46. But these guys are letting go of games in the middle of Ohio. You guys got to get it together. 52 and 46, 11 and a half back. The Miami Marlins are 53 and 47. 11 and a half back. The Mets are 46 to 52. 
17 and a half back, five, six games under 500, and rounding out the bottom, like I mentioned earlier, the Washington Nationals are 40 and 58, sitting at 23 and a half back. Um, it's unfortunate because I am a diehard Luis Arias fan, and um, all that he brought to that team and the way that he was hitting early portion of the season, incredible. And I'm not going to lie, I watch everything that this guy does because I love him as a player. Now the Marlins are starting to come to earth. Will they continue to fall? They are now in third place um, at this time. And that's just because the games played. They are basically, you know, we'll see within the next two games if they do catch the Phillies, but the Phillies have now eclipsed them sitting at second place at this point in time. Can the Phillies continue to play better? They just let go of two up against the Guardians. At least get one before you leave Ohio, or if not, you're going to make this interesting between you and the Marlins. And I feel like this is going to be a race down to the bitter end. The Mets have finally started to get some wins here or there, at least that they beat Boston the other day. Can you guys get to 500? There's too much money involved into all of you guys for you guys to barely be anything at this point in time, sitting at damn near 20 games back from the lead. I get it. The Braves are playing great baseball, but come on. The Mets, like, don't forget that's uh, – his name is escaping me right now. Chipper. Chipper Jones named his daughter Shay because of how he played in Shea Stadium. Just just think, like, you guys got to be able to get past a lot of this stuff. And right now, the Mets are going to Mets. They even have, like, a little clip. like a It's like a halfway meme song kind of. And they say, oh, the baseball season's starting. And then you hear the bat hit the ball. Oh, the Mets season is over. It's like, this is really a thing every single year. Like, this has to get better. But, Mike. Your division lasts for you. Best team in baseball, Braves to the Washington Nationals. Your thoughts on the NL each? So, like I said before, Atlanta getting some pitching back, and uh, they they really found the mix, I think, in this batting order. They've kind of uh, settled it down. Like, they over the last few weeks, uh, moving Matt Olsen to the cleanup spot and putting uh, Ozzie Albies in the second spot right behind Acuna between him and Riley. Uh, with the catcher and Murphy or sometimes Darno who's catching today hitting fifth and Osuna is the designated hitter hitting sixth. And then you still got a bottom three of Rosario, Orlando Arcia, and Michael Harris the second. So a stacked lineup there. They brought another kid up to pitch yesterday. They didn't win the game, but he pitched 20 year old kid pitched really well. Uh, the crazy thing is, man, the Braves have had the second most starters. They've had 14 different guys. Uh, start games this season. Um, and they are second behind Kansas City as far as the number of as far as the number of starters that they've run out there this year. And normally that would equate to not very good, but pitching wise, uh they've really held their own as far as I want to say they're top five in the National League as far as ERA and, and you know, across the board in pitching. So when you look at that, that says something about your organizational depth because a lot of times, like I said, when you're running that many arms out there, uh, it's because nobody's getting the job done. Uh, so Soroka, Michael Soroka, who had been out for like three years, uh, gets a win on Friday night in Milwaukee, gets his first road win uh, this season. He's kind of been up and down a little bit as he's sort of starting to settle in, but uh, still a young kid and a guy who – uh, this team really projected out uh, to possibly be the ace or anchor of their staff uh, at some point. So 
for him to make that long road back after three years and start to be productive again at the major league level, that's a cool story from Michael Soroka. Uh, like I said, Freed coming back this week, big for them as well. Uh, you talk about Philadelphia. They had Philadelphia and Miami both had really, really good months of June. Philly struggling a little bit. Bryce Harper made a sensational catch in his first game at, at uh, first base. You know, it's just a thing that, uh, you know, they've been working with him there. Still coming back off that Tommy John surgery, can't really throw, so can't put him in the outfield. But being able to plug him in at first base uh, with the other pieces around him, Bryson Stott and then Trey Turner, uh, Alec Baum on that infield. We're, we'll see if uh, Philly decides to make a trade. Uh, their pitching has really settled in and been better as of late and uh, experiencing somewhat of a career resurgence. Uh, Craig Kimball has sort of started to uh, settle down and, and nail it down on the back end of that, on the back end of that bullpen as well. So uh, definitely uh, some talent there uh, in in Philadelphia. Miami right there, a lot of good young kids in that rotation. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you got 52 wins there. Um, these teams are right there. At the, I mean, basically, as of today, you got Miami and sitting on the outside looking in. But Philly right there, um, you take those two teams with whoever doesn't come out of the central between those two in Cincinnati and Milwaukee. And then the other uh, couple of teams that we talked about in the West right now, those are the teams that would be uh, in that wild card discussion being Arizona and San Francisco. So it, there's a lot of teams all kind of log jam right in here. So uh, you talked about the Mets, man. It, it's just kind of fascinating to watch because Kind of like San Diego. This is a team that spent a lot of money, had a lot, a lot of high expectations, and just, you know, quite honestly, have not met them so far this year. Still time to turn it around, but it has to happen pretty quick. They've been playing a little better lately, um, so we'll see what they can do. The Washington Nationals, man, like, listen, this team is is very young. You know, they've got a lot of prospects over the last couple of years and the offloading of Scherzer and Turner and Soto and all the different uh, stars that they traded. Uh, you're starting to see some of these young pieces come home to roost. Uh, Josiah Gray, uh, who came out of the Dodgers organization, pitched well the other night. They introduced uh, their number one pick, the second overall pick, Dylan Cruz, on Friday night, and then proceeded to thump the Giants 10-1 to at home, and they had – 30-plus thousand people in attendance. So, uh, you know, a good night for them on Friday is the team that is still a year or two away from really being able to contend in a very, very tough division. But a lot of kids getting a lot of playing time this year uh, to figure out what they have, right? So uh, this Nationals team is, you know, you kind of hate to see them gut the team the way that they did over the last couple years. But they feel like they're doing – what they need to do to build another team that can continue year in and year out. So, so we will see uh, what the what the Nationals are able to accomplish. But uh, this, you know, th- w- with all the kids that they have, you're not going to be in contention this year. But 
uh, the fans still have a lot to to be excited about in in DC. Across the board, guys like CJ Abrams still continue to develop at shortstop, keeping Ruiz behind the plate. Uh, and then, like I said, the young pitchers Gray and uh, Mackenzie Gore, and th- this Nationals team does have a lot of potential uh, in the future. But you just want these guys to sort of take their lumps and and, and learn on the fly, so they will be uh, prepared for you know the challenges that come with being in the major leagues over the next uh, over the next few years. Is hopefully they can rise uh, back into this division race, but. Team is uh, this this entire division. I mean, you got a chance to get as many as three in the playoffs, but you know if things fall right, you might just end up with one. So uh, it, it's this is the only division. This is the most out of hand division as far as uh, a league goes. The Braves are probably as of right now. Uh, well, I wouldn't say probably they are uh, the the team with the safest lead and the most likely of all the teams in first place right now uh, to win their division. That doesn't mean that some other teams won't, but uh, they're, they're sitting pretty right now. Okay. Well, that, that rounds off basically all of the MLB talk for the day. Um, like I said, camps are opening up. Um, got some interesting stuff from listening to Dan Campbell today, so I don't want to let too much out of that bag, even though I'm mad that, they were high on Emmanuel Mobley getting back to the team. They're saying that he's going to start the season on the PUP or at least training uh, camp and preseason like that. Uh, hopefully he's out there because we need to, every last bit of this secondary as we go into week one up against the doggone Kansas City Chiefs as they put their banners up and get their rings so on and so forth. We're going to need every gun as much as possible going into Missouri as best as possible. A lot of the other camps will be opening up this week, but definitely between the Chiefs, the Lions, the Jets, um, the teams that are in that Hall of Fame game, they have to get ready to go as of now. I can't wait. I'm loving every last bit of it. Uh, Mike, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to add before we start to get ready to close up shop here at the brunch. No, definitely looking forward to, you know, football starting to kick off. I was actually going to ask you about your Lions today, but just uh, looking around the league, a lot of interesting stories. You know, we talked about this week on our shows what's going on with the running backs in this league. You know, yesterday they were supposed to all be meeting via Zoom and discussing things, so uh, I'll be curious to see if anything came out of those discussions for the running back position in this league. Uh, Women's World Cup going on right now uh, as well. The U.S. Uh, wins their first game on Friday night against Vietnam. I think they play again Tuesday, but don't hold me to it. Um, so that's underway, the biggest, uh, competition in women's soccer, uh, you know, worldwide. So <clears throat> taking place over there in, uh, Australia and New Zealand this time. So, uh, U.S. are clearly a favorite, right, uh, in this bracket, but, you know, they, they got to play the game. So that's happening as well. Like you said, man, I'm, I'm so excited about this mega fight coming up next week at, at Thrilled to be uh, know that we'll have a chance to break that down next Sunday morning as well. Uh, so many cool things going on uh, in the world of sports. And then you also had this week a lot of the uh, media days. SEC had theirs. Pac-12 had theirs. Uh, media days coming up this past week and this week coming up as teams start to sort of, uh, you know, do their 
their last media obligations before these kids report to to school and, and, and start off their training camps for the college football season as well. As a, We are exactly six weeks away from the opening weekend in college football and LSU and Florida State and two teams who are probably going to be preseason ranked in the top ten open up on that Sunday in Orlando. Uh, lot, lots of uh, lots of good games and things to look forward to uh, as we move forward uh, in the world of sports. Definitely, this is going to be a very interesting last week and a half, if you will, because there's still more days after Saturday going into Sunday uh, for the month of July. But August is definitely on the horizon. And preseason's coming, and that Hall of Fame game and Hall of Fame inductees are coming as well. I also got news that, um, you know, one of my favorite Georgetown Hoyas, Allen Iverson, has been asked by Dwayne Wade to be introduced into the Hall of Fame um, this coming induction. I think it's September, if I'm not mistaken. So knowing that's at the border of my state of Connecticut and Massachusetts and Springfield, Massachusetts. I want to try to go, but I know the last time I tried to go when Kobe and Tim Duncan went, they were asking for $850 to go watch these dudes get inducted. I was like, I'm going to watch it on TV. I know I wanted to go, but I was like, no, that's a lot. Dumping and just sitting there and watching them go in. But definitely uh, intrigued by that as well. And Electric Week coming up, football is here, and all of the races that are going down from AL East to NL East, across the board, top to bottom. The Braves are still leading the the entire MLB at this point in time. This is a very interesting uh, run, at least while the summer is getting ready to start winding down. Mike, anything that you'd like to close out with, we get ready to shut down here at the bridge. Uh, so, you mentioned Hall of Fame. You know, I know some people don't really agree with these two guys being inducted, but two uh, new guys entering the Baseball Hall of Fame today, Scott Rowland and the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Uh, Fred McGriff played for several teams, played more games with the Braves than anybody else, uh, was a big piece to that 95 World Series team, uh, and stalwart in the middle of that order for a little while before he eventually went on to Tampa later in his career. Uh, he is a guy that I, I believe TP without the work stoppage in '94 and the shortened season in '95, he probably hits that 500 home run plateau. I think he finished with 493. Uh, so Fred McGriff, Scott Rowland, uh, both uh, quiet leaders, guys that led by example, and were both part of uh, championship teams at corner infield spots on opposite corners of the infield, if you will. Uh, those two guys getting inducted today enshrined in Cooperstown in the um, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So congratulations to those two guys as well. You mentioned watching those induction ceremonies on TV. I think that's on MLB Network today at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, those induction speeches. So uh, two guys that played for several years and are definitely guys that have uh, you know, played in our lifetime and that we are both very familiar with. Uh, for, you know, all of their careers for the most part. So uh, two guys entering the Hall of Fame, good for them. Congratulations to Scott Roller and Fred McGriff. 
Okay, give me a plug, close off, shout out. We get ready to shut the doors here at the brunch. Man, TP, it's always a pleasure being here with you. It's a privilege, man, to be able to co-host this uh, time of Sunday morning brunch with you. Took me a minute to get going today. Like you said, get the coffee in the system, uh, get, get moving. So, uh, you know, I, I'm with it now. Sorry it took me a second today. But uh, pleasure being here, as always, man. Without you, I wouldn't be part of this uh, Sports City Chefs family, man. So uh, much love and respect to you, and uh, always a pleasure. Looking around, uh, check us out, man, sportscitychefs.com. We got a finger food on the LSU National Championship team for baseball. Got some articles that have been uh, posted this week. Uh, More finger foods and articles continuing to come out on the website even on our YouTube channel. So uh, just make sure you're checking out uh, what we got going on there, Uh, sportscitychefs.com. Don't forget about phiapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS and check out for 15% off. Uh, We got shows coming at you throughout the week. 9 p.m. Eastern time is the time you want to remember for all of our shows during the week. Tuesday nights we usually do a football-related show. Wednesday the callers cook out with uh, T.P. Timeless and – the villain, and a lot of times me and Sirius sometimes will stop by and be part of the cookout as well. Uh, that's on Wednesday nights, and then Roundtable Gumbo on Thursdays. Uh, shout out uh, to and prayers out for Mr. Chandler Knight, my co-host for Roundtable Gumbo. Hope to have him back in the saddle very soon uh, alongside for Roundtable Gumbo on Thursday nights. And like I said, the time of Sunday morning brunch, 11 a.m. Eastern time each and every Sunday morning. Uh, TP and I recapping what happened over the weekend, setting the table for you for Sunday's action and kind of previewing what's coming up uh, in the world of sports. It's my favorite hour, hour and a half of the week, uh, every Sunday. So check us out. Uh, Like and subscribe. Remember, you can listen to us on all of your smart speakers as well. So uh, anytime you find anything that resonates with you, uh, listen, it always helps us people. So like, subscribe, follow us, uh, check out everything we got going on got big things going on and more things uh, coming up in the future for Sports City. So, uh, once again, TP, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you again for having me. And ladies and gentlemen, peace. Everybody stay tuned to what we got going on. Sports City is now becoming the Go Visual. We have video going up. We're getting ready to start putting stuff on uh, YouTube as much as possible. We found a new, uh, you know, media platform to get sports city out there visual these guys push me around to get up there so i gotta start doing it now sports city so we're gonna get a lot of this live content to you live so you can see our faces the facial expressions we make how i make barry and them laugh how we all get to go crazy that is for sure um electric week i'm nervous i'm six days away it feel like christmas is coming with these two about to go at it um, a very interesting day right now. Can we sweep the White Sox? I cannot wait to see if we can put this together to get them. And watching that series go down, I can't believe what I heard, that the White Sox are now interested in getting rid of Tim Anderson. It's like, wow, this is one of their better players on their roster, and they're ready to get rid of him. If we didn't have Carlos Correa, I would take him. But we got Carlos. We just dumped $200 million into him, so it's like, like we can't get another shortstop. But, um. Uh, Definitely get him out of the division. If you guys are going to get rid of him, send him yeah, send him to the, the Braves. Shoot, I don't care. Send him to the NLE. Get him out of here. This dude is so pesky. But I didn't know one thing. At this point in time, nearing the month of August, Tim Anderson has not hit a home run all season long. This guy's a great batter at the plate, but he has not gotten one out the park. His last home run 
was against the Twins in Minnesota this week. How crazy was that? So just knowing that I got a lot of that history going on, Sports City, stay tuned. We got a lot of the shows, just like Mike mentioned, throughout the week. Like I said, we got visuals that will be coming as well. Continue to support us. The finger foods are out. We got the blog going across the board. As y'all already know, it, this is food for thought. Hopefully all of y'all can still do these dishes. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, chefs. Chef. Sports City, Sports City, Sports City, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Uh-huh. <laughs>